Hello, and welcome to the No Good Poetry Podcast. Each week, we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of poetry. This is episode 28 with... Joseph Makos and... Joseph Bievin. This is the good, bad, and the ugly, isn't it? Some ugly shit out there, kids. Let's make the world safer for poetry. Welcome to episode 28. We're here at the uh, the shop on St. Claude, um, and we're back again for another... Uh, After a short hiatus last week. Hurricane. Uh, we took a little break, but it's okay, because the, the hurricane came and went, and but nothing really happened. Fortunately, fizzled Thank out God. for yeah. us. Yeah, it fizzled out. Nice. But we have a guest uh, in the studio today for this episode, and uh, he is actually running a, a, a new... Reading series in the Bywater, uh, the Rubber Flower Poetry Hour, at a bookstore uh, down here next to Satsuma, correct? Yeah. And it's uh, once is it once a month on Wednesday nights? Yeah, every second Wednesday. Every second Wednesday, and uh, it's it's. Um, but I met Cameron. Uh, I believe I met you through maybe Cubs. I think maybe or Ben, probably Ben. Through Ben, yeah. But not really through Ben, because really it was at Annie's right. during during a salon. But really at, it was Jenna Rose. But really it was Jenna Rose. <laughs> so it was like this sort of like this this poetry world that's happening here that's kind of off the radar. I kind of like it. Um, it's a good – it's good. Stay off the radar as, as long as we can, right? That's the, that, that's the goal um, is, to, uh, is, to, is to be sort of a grassroots thing. I kind of feel like that's what I feel like you're – project uh your reading is coming up from uh, i identify that just seeing like how you're doing it and uh but i know that you do poetry on the street uh you do you do typewriter poetry are you is that every week thing for you uh, i do it at least three or four times a, day, a week yeah a day you said a day i write three or four times a day <laughs> <laughs> uh but you you go out there you're on the you go out there for three or four times a week and are you on royal or um usually i'm on frenchman but once it gets cooler i'm gonna go out to uh the cater royal that's that's what area now I'm usually out there between six and eight in the evening until about midnight. Okay. But a lot of the poets who enjoy the the energy down there will stay until two or three when all the you know all the demons come out and everything. I usually go to sleep by then. And when you when you say demons, what do you mean? Mm. Just tell us. Come on. It's when all the drama happens. I don't really involved <laughs> with the drama because it's too much for me. Street drama or like poetry? Both. Okay. I always hear stories, but I'm never involved. Really? <laughs> Has anyone gotten like the typewriter slapped off their table? Oh yeah. I'm what? Like, yeah, I've heard, I've seen keys on the street. Yeah, it's kind of kind of gross. And it's not only I don't know. Is this know. between poets or is this like? I just paid $10 for that shit, and then someone grabs a typewriter and throws it across <laughs> into the front steps of DBA I or something? I feel like that's happened, but I don't know. I think it's more personal sometimes. Oh, really? But I don't know that, because I'm not a... I, I'm, there's the row, the poet row, and they set up by the uh, the art garden and everything, and I'm usually down uh, by Mona's on that okay. big brick wall. Okay. That's like, right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so there's a, there's the row, and then there's the brass band there, and yeah, yeah. there's Spotted Cat with all that jazz and the DBA, and everyone's coming in and out, and it's just this big, big mess of energy, and it's beautiful, but it's too much for me. So I'm down there, like under this purple light with a little lamp on my, and it's really quiet, and a little lamp on my desk, and it's kind of like this little coffee shop feel, and it's a little quieter. And I like it that way. Cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, but you know, you forgot something that 
we customarily do in introductions, which is saying our guest's name. Oh. I said, oh, I said, sorry, Cameron Lovejoy. <laughs> so Cameron, Cameron Lovejoy. Okay. My my handle, my middle and last names are Mix and Lovejoy, which is my pen name. So if you okay. find me online, it's Mix and Lovejoy. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and we're here to talk about, well, we're here, we're going to mix it up today. We're going to talk about, uh, a couple we're going to mix in it up today. <laughs> so uh, we talk about a couple different things, but. The first topic is brought to you by our guests. So we're going to talk a little bit today about free verse and its what? Its use and abuse? Sure, its use and abuse, what it's done to poetry, in what ways in the past 100 years, 50 years, 20 years? I don't know. So Versus classical poetry, pentameter, and all that. We've really, I feel like we've really stepped away from that uh, in a lot of ways. And I'm wondering what, it's, what it feels like to you both. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it depends. I think good free verse still has meter to it. It's just less regular meter. Sure. I think it is, I think sometimes can be a problem. Like, I hate if I read something that's written in free verse and it just feels musicless to me. Like, there's no music there. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I, I generally write in free verse more, more often than not, and... But I feel, but I don't think of it as. I mean, I think there's still a meter there. It's just that you're not following the same regular metrical pattern all the time. You're you're switching from one one meter to another. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Uh, and in that sense, I think it's kind of freeing, and it allows you to maybe mix registers, mix high and low registers in a way that you can do in meter, but it's a lot more difficult because some things it's just you can't force into that meter necessarily. Sure. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's exactly what you meant, but... (laughs) Yeah, sure that. And when you say it's it's musicless, is there... Is it more prosy, or is it just flat? It feels flat, I guess, Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, I I don't know what I would mean by prosy, because I think some prose feels musical to me, and some prose doesn't. Sure, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think it's just that it feels flat. It feels that there's not a repetitive structure of sounds in any sort of way. There's no recognizable one in any sort of sense. It, and it can be jarring almost to, to read something like that. I don't know. Bagos, what do you think? Uh, I, I, think I, I, think there's a, I think I have a general consensus with what you all just said. And when I think when – I address, when I address sort of like the free verse, you know, versus like neoclassical poetry or what have you, I think I – think at least for me as a poet, the, sometimes the goal, the goal is to, um, the, the, it's not necessarily the goal, but it's part of the process. It's the goal of the process part of the writing, not the content, not the goal of the content. The goal of the process for me is to hide and to mask the meter. So when people read it, they don't realize that they're reading in meter. Hmm. You know, like, uh, Wallace Stevens talks about like, the, the cadence of the walk and like as you walk through your neighborhood and like that should be this, the meter of poetry. But he means that in a metaphoric, figurative way. He means that in a different way, right? But like I sometimes do a thing where I where I like I kind of I kind of like mask the meter mostly through like end like middle like middle rhymes and off rhymes mm. and like you know things like that where. It's like you write the piece and you let it fall into the rhythm, like the breath, you know, the projective verse, the sort of like rhythmic sort of like feeling and nature of, of like of speech. But, but speech being potentially rhythmic and, and musical as well, 
But I think we can probably agree. I mean, not that any poetry is easy, but to do a good job with free verse is harder in some ways than doing to, than writing with meter, right? Good free verse, yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, that's the important part. Yeah. But I think maybe that's the problem. I think people think of it as like, oh, this is going to be easy because I don't have to think about sure, yeah. all these things. Not, not, knowing the, not knowing different meters or what, what, what I'm equating this to right now is skee-ball. If you, take, if you look at skee-ball as like, as like uh, that's the different areas of poetry you can potentially pitch into with your, with your set of the entry point for a lot of people, or like not even just the entry point, but the point that people stay in, the comfort zone of poetry, is like, oh, I'm going to write a fucking sentence right now, and then I'm going to take that sentence and break it and turn it into a poem. The ten-point point. Yes. Uh-huh, yeah. Interesting. That's what I'm saying. Uh-huh. It's the it's like an it's an access point for a lot of people, but a lot of people never leave the waiting room. Yeah, I hear there's a lot of free verse you hear all the, all the time, spontaneous prose, uh, whatever you want to call it, and then like you were saying. It was kind of just, it's a lot of its prose cut up into lines, with lines cut, and with not a lot of tension added where it could be added. Um, and sometimes I think, like, there's a lot of great free verse, and I, like, spoken word, you feel a lot when people perform their spoken word, and that's a beautiful thing, and so is hearing free verse. And, but sometimes I feel like if we treat poetry... Today, the way we treat music, um, you would call this a dissonance, because it's not the the craft is not there as if as in like bebop or scatter jazz or free jazz where it's like fucking in your face and dissonant dissonant and you don't know what's going on but they know what they're doing. Yeah, so, I think that's. Um, I mean, I was thinking the same thing. Like I was thinking about music too, and I was like, it's if you tried to improvise without knowing anything else first. Like exactly. all the people who are good improvisers. They they're masters of playing all these classical pieces, and they they understand the structure of music and and what things you can do and not do. Where I mean, I've certainly heard people improvise that don't have much of a background, and they do the same two three things over and over again because that's mm-hmm. all they know, right? And that's not interesting. Uh, and probably it would be more interesting if they spent some time with some constraints, developing more of a repertoire that they could turn to mm-hmm. when they were improvising. Right. And I think it is kind of a similar thing with free verse. I think people who can do it well, it's probably because they've spent some time with some constraints writing in, in ways where they had to think about meter more explicitly or, or, or form more explicitly at, in some level. Right. But I feel like that's where a lot of people, how a lot of people get into poetry like Instagram poetry or reverse spoken word, Whitman, whatever. And that's a great place to start because it's on different levels uh, attainable and you can understand it more sometimes. Who said that terrible? Well, it's not terrible, but it's a little cheesy. It was someone big, some poet who said the thing about reverse is writing without a net. But, I mean, there's some truth to that in oh, some you, way, you know? You mean playing tennis without a net? Uh, playing tennis without a net, yeah, yeah you're right, Frost. that is what it was. It was Robert Frost, yeah. yeah. A little bit cheesy, but it makes sense, too. But, yeah, but there's some truth to it, you know? I definitely am a firm believer in, like, if you know the rules. Once you know the rules, you can break them. But you have to start somewhere. I mean, some people are just lucky, and they can do it without doing a lot of work, right? They just sure. can inherently understand it. So I don't pe- think that should. Uh, I don't think that knowing the rules should discourage someone from writing either. No, no. 
Yeah, do you think that happens? Do you think that happens? Uh, I just didn't want that to come across in my in my statement. Oh, okay, yeah, I yeah. You should write no matter what. Well, I, I agree with that. I mean, if you want to write, you should write. Yeah. I hope you're trying to develop to something and grow with it. I mean, wherever level you're at, but I hope everyone who wants to write will write, right, you know? I just I just go back to the point that like I think people I think people enter into the room of poetry and then they just stay in that that waiting room like you take a number and like while the, while they take the number like their number is like they look at the wall and it says if your number this through this and this is what you do sometimes yeah and I think that yeah, the, I think sometimes. that that like what I think that that happens a lot more times than none and I think that um but I think people a, stay in yeah. that because they're like, oh, well, I created this body of work and this is the body of work that I'm comfortable reading and that's the work that I do. Whereas, whereas like, uh, I've, cre- I feel like in, in my poetic path, I've, I've actually created like seven of those rooms that I've never even shown anyone because it's like, well, you know, you, you got to work through a bunch of different things before you can really like hone your craft and you like make a bunch of mistakes. And then you can also like see the mistakes that other people are making and learn from those. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, uh, and, and sort of work through, you know, those, those sort of, uh, processes in yourself. But I just think that free verse gets abused because, you know, people pick up a book of Robert Creeley poems and they read through it and they're like, Oh, I can do this. They don't really realize like well, the yeah. nuance, the I nuance mean, of it. But it's also funny, right? Because up until the fifties, it was quite the opposite. No one, I mean, it was rare for someone to be writing in free verse. And in fact, most people who were who were just kind of dabbling in poetry would most likely write in some prescribed form, and they felt that that was safer in some way and less intimidating. Mm-hmm. And now it's just kind of flipped because free verse had such a success in the sixties and seventies and eighties. Sure. Now it's flipped the whole other way around, right? Where it free verse is more what you're going to do if you're dabbling in something. Uh, and I and think... Writing in meter is almost cheesy now, sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. But I do think there are some people who are like... Well, poetry... I mean, are more experienced who've been more, like hip-hop. revisiting it, right? Because of, because it's something that's not done as much, yeah. Yeah. But if you think of like... Like you mentioned Creeley, or you think of like any of... The reason I mentioned Creeley, because... Creeley is like so distilled in such a way that like when you sometimes you, like it took me like three or four books of Creeley's work to really understand that like he that he is that he is like the new the amount of nuance that's working through his work is amazing. Yeah, but I was going to say he also does have it's a strange kind of rhythm, but he does have a rhythm to his poems. I he mean, does. I think I can hear him not just through his vocabulary choice, but that kind of up and down of the stress of his lines, right? Now, I, don't, I mean, and I think maybe that's the thing that, that, that kind of got lost in some ways. I think most of the good practitioners of, of free verse that, that kind of convinced everyone that it was something to do weren't really trying to get rid of meter. They were trying to like create a more complicated new meter. And they were versed in the poetry of the past and understood mm-hmm. of course. Kind of what was going on, right? Um, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. Add, yeah, to add a more jazzy kind of uh, musicality to it, maybe. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. I wonder where it'll go next, though. What's, <laughs> yeah, what are we going gonna... <laughs> to Well, no, I was just thinking, it just took me into thinking about something that's off topic, but um, about that time period, about the 50s and 60s, or like the, at least as far as the canon, when I am reading the beats and I'm just like thinking about the conversation that Pound, that Ginsburg had with Pound. And he and they had this conversation about like the importance of destroying the old mythos. Do you know this? Do you know this story? Where they went and where he where Ginsburg went. Met, Ginsburg remember, went yeah. to Pound and said like, yeah, yeah. we need to talk. We have a convers- We have a conversation that we need to have. Yeah. about like this sort of like toiling of the like the the toiling of the the old mythos and how we have to toil it up and swing it back again to like this new mythos and that signaled this change the shift in sort of like a poetic mm-hmm. yeah. uh, time frame and so i don't know if that has any, I, I don't know why they just reminded me of that but i don't know what, if it has anything necessarily to do with the f- with free verse and meter but i think it does because like you have a master of free verse meeting with a master of meter who or sorry master of meter meeting with a master of free verse who is very 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 much aware of meter and Meeting with the man who's the master of, of of meter, who's very very much aware of free verse, and who said that was the first heave was to get rid of uh, meter and pentameter, right? Does he Pound, say this? Alan said that it was uh, something like it was the getting rid of pentameter or changing it was the first heave against like a, to a new form of poetry. To a new, new form of poetry, yeah. An apparition of faces in a crowd, petals on a wet black bow. I'd like to read more about that that meeting. It's out there. Yeah, you could. I think you could. Uh, there's a. I can look it up and tell you where it is, but it's it's out there. Uh, well, the reason I bring that up is because, you know, like um, there there might have been something about like the, I don't know. I'm just like just like pontificating, but the idea that like the immediacy of the need that you know like. Yeah, but I think the modernists were trying to. Be traditional in the sense of drawing on the mythic past, right? Like, think how much mythology appears in <laughs> Elliot and Pound, and sure. you know, like they're <laughs> a lot, like the Western. Well, they're bringing, they're bringing, and they're... they try to bring some Eastern things in with it, but you know, it's definitely based in this looking backwards in some way. Sure, right. Well, when I think of like when you say free verse, for me, like for for me, like the like the sort of like the best free verse in a certain sense is like uh, is uh, is Wordsworth and Coleridge. Well, I like Coleridge. <laughs> I don't like Wordsworth. <laughs> well, okay, I, I will say as far as Wordsworth goes, if you really want to get into the best of of Wordsworth. It's like lyrical ballads, and then everything after, like the first, like maybe five, five, like everything that was like the first jettison out of lyrical ballads, like the earliest stuff. It's still like a little punk rock, but it's but it's not like it's like I was going to compare him to Green Day for a second, but like, but like, <laughs> but like, but like, du- but like Dookie is that like might a, not be the most. No, uh, let's, let me try to do it. <laughs> but like, but like, but like, but like the first album of Green Day is Dookie, right? Isn't it? Uh, it's like a pretty solid album Uh like it's it's it has these like power ballads it has this like really type type of like hey this is a new thing a new sound that we've brought together into this thing and they usher in this like 90s you know like like nevermind and dookie came out in the same year (laughs) 
But like, think about that. So that's like, here we go, right? These are like Wordsworth and Coleridge are like doing this thing. They publish lyrical ballads. They get kicked out of Oxford or whatever the fuck. And then, and then, and then, like, they publish a couple quick little books outside of that that were still like this, like two different directions that they went. But it was a lot of it was like, it was remembered. Like, think about even the idea of that book. Of the reason I bring it up is because the the title of the book of poems, they're lyrical ballads, right? They were they were they were trying to flip the whole thing. They were intentionally trying to fuck you to the whole English system, like that's what that book was all about. And then and then like they were good. Like that first little was like energy out of that, like you know. And then I guess my Green wow. Day comparison's over. But I think well, first of all, I don't think anyone is going to take that as a compliment if you tell a poet that they're the Green Day of poetry. <laughs> but <laughs> second of all. I mean, in a way, you're right, but he's also he's also flouting the mainstream by also looking back because ballads are old. It's just folk tradition rather than literary tradition, right? Is what you're doing there. So he's still looking backwards, just to a different a different source, a different backwards, yeah, yeah. A further backwards. And those were both writers that started with very traditional meter and then broke out. Yeah, that's true too. Totally. Yeah. Totally. The opposite of today. <laughs> right. So we're in a we're in a uh, right. a mirrored <laughs> a mirrored uh, reality right now with poetry. I guess. Yeah, maybe. Well, I mean, it's probably hard because we're in the midst of it to see the direction it's going. But we're sure. you know, we're certainly. I mean, and we're in a weird spot, right? Because you could see free verse ascending and ascending and ascending, and I think we're probably past the peak of it in some ways, but it's just we don't know where it's going at this point, I would think. It's hard to see from where we are. Because it's on a curve, or we're on some sort of curve, right? And because we're in the curved hallway that we can we can only see so far down the hall. Either way. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think we're just in a, in a weird part part to, to, to uh, figure it out. But we are in a point of time where we have a thing called Instagram poetry. Yeah, so, Which okay. I was talking before. Let me reintroduce this idea of this, yeah. like, ladder of people. Well, it's like you log on, you do a thing, you put up some things, and then all of a sudden you're this, Oof. you know. Man, you're starting off negative on it right off the bat. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, okay, so, I mean... I think the strange thing is like we're probably at a time where poetry is pretty unpopular for the most part. <laughs> I think even like compared to I mean I think even compared to like 20 years ago, right? Like I think it's probably less popular than it used to be. So but this is Instagram poetry or or Twitter poetry or any social media poetry. The one that's the one area that's popular of poetry right now, right? Yeah, I mean, I think spoken word is huge. And spoken hip-hop, word's hip-hop pr- is huge. pretty pro- popular too. But yeah, it's, I mean, that's a fr- I guess that's a more fresher. But isn't spoken word? I think spoken word. I think of spoken word's height being in the nineties, and it's still pretty around and pretty pretty flourishing. But it's probably less so than it was in the nineties. It's kind of okay. still on the downward slope, right? Isn't that like the big? day of spoken word in a lot of ways, you know. 
I don't know. I so. If it, I feel like I but feel I like it's, it's still, still going through popular. like a new run, like a new thing. I think it's in like generation whatever. Yeah. And it's and it's like it's like three or four years. It's three or four generations in. I mean, I still think every big city has several spoken word venues, but I feel like in the '90s, even small cities had them. And like, if you think of like somewhere like Chicago or New York, had more than you could even keep up with, right? Where that's not the case. Now. Other than Boston, and you know that time, and there was a bunch of different spoken word spots. Yeah. 2000, early 2000s. But yeah, no, I mean, I, you're, you're absolutely right. It's still a pretty popular thing, but it's kind of still plateaued at best, maybe slightly on the downslope where Instagram poetry, Definitely social media poetry yeah. is rising off it. Social point. media poetry. So that's what we're here to talk about the second half of the show. <laughs> we'll take a little musical break and we'll be right back. <laughs> Are you going to sing something? Isn't that the no? I just break? thought you could cut it there and like maybe drop in like a little bit of a some dissonance, put some like bebop. You could edit it right out there, right there, and you could just put in some Saul Williams or something. Did you guys see him when he said I did. Yeah? Shit, I didn't get to. I was not able to go. I went to Prez Hall and saw him at midnight. Yeah, that's pretty dope. Pretty dope. Out of there. And that motherfucker Cubs was up on stage with his fucking typewriter. No way. I got pictures of it. They mic'd it. They mic'd him. Typing? It was awesome. They brought him up and they mic'd him and the band played and he was typing during it and Saul was reading to it and it was fucking good. And the press hall. It was cool. Was the Oslo's playing? It was very cool, man. It was very cool. They brought him up like way at the end, like way at the end, like, and then, and then so he typed a poem and then like, uh, and then like the whole thing ended, you know, and Saul, or Saul was going to do one more piece and like, Real quick, like there was like everyone was like, oh, they thought it was over, and then Cubs came up to the mic, and, then, and Saul was like, brought Cubs up to the mic, and he read the poem, and he read part of the poem. Like Saul, Saul took the poem like this, and Saul was like, dance in the hall. Where, where, where what, what does it say? He, so he didn't, he couldn't read, he couldn't read, he couldn't read any of what Cubs had typed, and so he's like, come, come up, come up, come up. So he brought Cubs up, and Cubs takes the poem and he starts reading it. And it's fucking hilarious. It's like it's like it's a it's in meter. It, this is bad. This is like not what he said, but it said something like this. It's it, the whole poem was like the whole poem was like, girl keeps calling, uh, don't know what to do. Better call Saul. And he kept and he kept, but he but he but he kept ending the. But the, yeah, his yeah. lines were really fucking funny because they all ended in better call Saul. Nice. And he, and he went through the and he read like a three two two minutes of this poem and it was hilarious and everybody was cracking up. It was awesome. Yeah. And then, and then and then Saul came out did one more piece and it was over, mm. but it was funny. It was cool. Next time, yeah, which won't be probably never again. I highly doubt Saul played Saul played the whole. Unlikely, but you never know. People come back there pretty more often than you think they would. Okay, so enough of that. All right, Instagram poetry. <laughs> That's what we're getting into now. Yeah. All I know is that Bienvenue walked in today and gave us a giant brief. <laughs> 
and it's like 15, 20, it's 20 pages long. And I looked through like the first 10 pages of it. And the funniest thing that I found is this guy making fun of, um, Rupi Kaur. Is that how you pronounce? It's Kaur. Kaur? Rupi Kaur? Mm-hmm. And he's, and he, he writes a poem making fun of uh, her process. This like, sort of like, this weird sort of like fragmented I don't, people. I don't even understand why the thing about this work is like, never mind. I don't even know. There's a difference. He, he writes this guy, guy, Missouri, Missouri, Missouri. There's a difference between someone telling you you're ordering pizza and them actually ordering pizza. Deep. <laughs> yeah. What does that mean to you? <laughs> no, I, I I don't I don't know what the poem means to me. I don't really care. It has nothing to do with me. But sure it does. No, it doesn't. Instagram poetry has nothing to do with me. <laughs> okay. But the reward system, that's I, I feel like if you dissect this from that point backwards and understand what people are getting when they get 100 likes or 500 likes or 1,000 likes or 500 likes on a poem and understand what's feeding that and how many likes and who's liking it, if you think about that backwards into the idea of poetry as opposed to looking at the – dissecting the um, story and the narrative of this woman's life and who she is and what she she brings to the poetry world I could give a shit about is – the reward system and understanding the media and the spectacle and understanding how that whole system works as a reward system for fucking mediocrity. And then once you get that part of it, then you understand that this is trash. Well, I mean, I think, you know, there's inherently something, I mean, because of just the way social media works. Yeah. There is inherently this idea of trying to get likes and everything, but I mean, I, I don't know that I'm going to say that necessarily things that get a lot of likes have to be bad. I do think that on average, probably a lot of the things that get a lot of likes are bad, right? But I can imagine a situation where you could have something quality on social media, and I think it's probably happened from time to time, where something can get a lot of popularity on the internet and not necessarily be bad. But are some people trying to game that system and aim for the for what they think is going to be the most popular? Yes, but I don't know that we can necessarily assume that's what Instagram poets are doing. Some of them probably are, but are all of them doing that? Maybe some of them happen to just fall in that place. Some of them probably are trying to do that. Some of them... That's just how they write, maybe. And <laughs> it happens to like land the right way. I don't know. Um, but I mean, I think you're right. There is that aspect of, of likes to it. Now, the reporting on it is a whole other story, and we can talk about that. But maybe maybe just talking about the kind of poetry that's on Instagram first and, and what that is. And is there is there something positive about it? Is there something negative about it? There's probably a little bit of both. Um I don't know. What do we think? You know what I'm saying? I don't think you can just say that's what everyone's doing. Like, everyone is posting just to try to get the most likes possible. Well, let's say this. Let's say that... Let's If we understand the way that news works today, 
again, I'm going to dissect it from this direction downwards rather than from poetry upwards. If we think about what the news today does, the New York Times, uh, let's see, where else is this from? Uh, Ithaca Lit. Well, that's a little, that one's a little different. Okay. Uh, the Odyssey Online. Okay. Uh, you know, what, what was it? The New Yorker. Okay. That's, that's, yeah, that's the same people basically. Well, if you're and saying the media Isaac is picking up on it because it's they know people will read the articles that like yeah that but that's that's the other way around. No, I know, but I'm, what I'm saying is, why is the media picking up on it? Well, because they need some to write about. It's algorithms. <laughs> it's algorithms. Okay, it has to do with how many hits these people are getting. It has to do with the popularity these people are getting. Who's their publisher? I don't know. It's, it's it, something it, weird. Uh, some I hadn't heard of. What is it? It's something I've never heard of, but it's a beautiful book, though. That's half the battle, right? What do you mean it's a beautiful book? Feels good. This is a create space white paper, not not natural, with a matte finish cover. You can print this book for about three dollars and twenty five cents. Okay, but but there's worse books, worse looking books out there for sure. I mean, yeah, it's a it's pretty standard, but um, Th- this is a two thousand and seventeen version, fifteen two thousand and fifteen version of a Rod McEwen classic from the seventies. <laughs> well, it could be, but that's what I'm saying. But, it's the same thing, okay. even with the well, illustrations. Let's leave. Let's leave the. Well, I mean, we we can get there, but let's let's. Let's leave the judgments of the book by the cover behind and move forward through the work. Yeah, although it's pretty funny that you said that. Now I do have to point this out because in one of the interviews that I have in this packet that I gave you, she spends a whole lot of time talking about uh, this designer that she likes that designs books and how she really – that's basically how she picks books is by what they look like. Well, let me tell you something about that. If if, if that's really what you want to say that she talks about this designer – and let, let it be known, just for the record, that this book design fucking blows. <laughs> this is the most boring. I, let me let me tell you why. I, I will not say it's good, but it's not. A, I've certainly seen a lot worse look, look, from from. I I've seen a lot worse from university presses. I'll say it right now. I printed oh, yeah. I printed a <laughs> hundred book covers by hand, by fucking hand. Okay, like but five Mako, years ago, I mean, and it's got the same the same B, but. Almost. They just but Megos, you have to admit that you've seen worse books from university presses. Oh, for sure. Than that, as yeah. far as how they this look. is really boring. Well, I agree, but I don't, I don't think it's that bad. I mean, it, I mean, I've seen a lot worse from major poetry presses as far as how books look. Uh it's not exciting, but you know, this is the worst thing that could ever be on the back cover of a. All right. So, do you want to read one of these poems? But you need to read it sincerely, not read it like sarcastically because you don't it. like Someone it. Else do it. <laughs> you, you're the one who brought it up, dude. <laughs> so this is from her, I think this is her second collection Milk and Honey, Rupi Kaur, who we were talking about. Oh my god. Okay. Who was at least for a while it was the number one book on the New York Times bestseller list. Not just the number one poetry book, the number one book. Period. No. Yes. It says it right there on the cover. Number one New York Times bestseller. This book. Yeah. Again, I'm going to say that 
what ri- what what rises to the top of the of the of the of the Maybe sewage pile. <laughs> the the like the the skim like the skim. Ugh. You know well, I mean, I think I have some ideas. Of what I mean, people that like certainly about it, but... is not the worst of the Instagram poetry. Oh, well, certainly not. <laughs> I know I should crumble for better reasons, but have you seen the boy? He brings the sun to it. Knees every night. What I find in a lot of Instagram poetry, and especially ones that are like printed onto a uh, an image of some kind, like a sky or something, yeah, yeah. it's typically inspirational quotes, an, an inspirational sort of get your head out of the gutter, you're beautiful sort of thing, which can be nice and people do need that. But that's what a lot of it is, and it's really trite. And I don't, I just find it really cheesy uh, a lot of the time. Um, And hard to, hard to read. I don't know. I'm really new to Instagram, though. Like, I've only just got on in the past six months, but there's a lot of it. And I also think it's a lot of, uh, a lot of sentences, just a lot of sentences broken up. Um, and mostly confessional stuff or things that don't have any mystery to them or, or any uh, substance beyond the confession. Well, I think that's the difficult thing and why it's hard to find much of it that's good is because you're... Everyone's published. Well, you're, everyone's published. There's also, like, you're kind of limited in space. How much can you do in that space? You can, but if you're going to do that, you probably need to do something a little more avant-garde if you're going to do something really fast. Because I don't know that you can do an interesting take on something that's a little more weather-worn in that short of a space. Do you mean the the image or the writing? The writing. I mean, like, if if you're in that short of a space to try to take something that does come off. Like you're saying, a lot of it feels like, and I think that's true, like it's trying to be inspirational or trying to be maybe commenting on something really topical uh, or... Striving to be profound when it's been said a million times. Yeah, but it's all... That's the that's what I'm saying. Like, it's yeah. all things that... That's what I mean by weather-worn. It's things that have been no, no, said a lot. And I think if you're going to try to take something that's been said a lot and put a twist on it, it's hard to do that in such a short space, right? Like, I think that's maybe something you could do if you gave yourself more space to do it in. Sure. But it's difficult to do it so condensed. I mean, I think it's possible. I have I have ideas for ways that I I believe I could take an image and make it all original and bring it from like my my archive of like photos or life and 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 and, and zoom in and, and find a cool image and do a, some sort of fragmented language thing. It would be like more like haiku ish style thing, but it would be it would be abstract and it would be like uh, really but sparse but very specific sort of as exacted content and do a thing. I have an idea for a way to do it in Instagram stuff, but I just haven't. I don't know. I just haven't. Maybe I should try it. Yeah, I want to see it. Make it really like because it's the way I'm thinking of it is like it would it would be. Let me just do it. You gonna sell out on this? <laughs> no, I've already selling out on myself and other people. So I, I've got no room left for selling out for you. But, um, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> I'll try. 
I mean, maybe I'll try this way. Maybe I'll do some sort of. No, I mean, I, I think it can be beautiful, and it has. I mean, and it's accessible. And that if it, if you can make it beautiful, then do it. But I don't think people try very hard. I don't think people try very hard either. Or, but the, but I think the thing that people like about some of this, and I mean, one reason that I think there's maybe something slightly interesting about this Instagram post. Okay, so let's read this one as an example. And I think you can see what some people like about this. Although, admittedly, this exists in... Well, okay, let's... Just... So, okay. Apparently, it is ungraceful of me to mention my period in public cause the actual biology of my body is too real. It is okay to sell what's between a woman's legs more than it is okay to mention its inner workings. The recreational use of this body is seen as beautiful while its nature is seen as ugly. Now, you could maybe say that that's a, tr a trite way of dealing with that topic, but I think a lot of people would say that's a topic that doesn't, especially for a lot of women, that they don't see getting dealt with in poetry that much, and that it's... that there's some value in that. Remember that approach to the the deep to militarized zone of, of of language where it becomes like it, it sort it sort of is so it's so flat and tone deaf that it's just like lacking sort of any you read it and you sort of process it but you're like well okay so that just felt like it felt like something i just read out of like a really boring like uh, like a journal for nursing Okay, but I think I, I think mean, the that's image, a problem. The image with it. here is extremely clear. The message is clear, and it's a beautiful message. But it lacks poetics, it lacks substance, and it lacks uh, kind of mystery. And even just a single metaphor would be nice. I agree with that, and I think um, that's maybe the big problem with a lot of Instagram poetry is it's too unambiguous, right? There's not, there's no room for interpretation. Yeah. But on the other hand, I can see how. For someone who is somewhat interested in poetry, who's, you know, a young female, to read that and be like, okay, I haven't seen a lot of poetry dealing with that. Now, is there poetry dealing with that? Certainly. But people don't know how to find that, and it's really easy for them to go onto Instagram and... Pull something? Yeah. Just yank something? Just some random thing? And be like, yeah. Well, I don't, think oh, I, like it, it. I don't think it is a random thing. I think it's like they they are on there all the time. I think about my students; they're on they're on that shit all the time, right? And then people send things to them and forward things. To, you know, it's like you. <laughs> so it just gets gobbled up. Like it just gets. That's what I'm saying. It's the ladder. That's the ladder that you're describing into the mouth of the cloud that gives them this like. I just think the reward system, like think about what it is. Like if your reward system is to like sell a chapbook, then that's great. You make a thousand chapbooks, you sell a thousand chapbooks, it's fucking five thousand dollars, right? If your like reward is to if your reward is to um to be an Instagram poet, then figure out the formula and be an Instagram poet. Like I actually don't think it would be too hard if you took the top ten Instagram poets and you and you and you went into their hashtags and you just put all those hashtags into a database. And you just have those hashtags set up in a process well, through, through your through your. Remember that goofy? Uh, I think Megan had shared it to Facebook or something. There was that goofy guy. It was bad though. That was trying to do that. He said he was parodying Instagram poetry. But he was getting tons of likes, wasn't he? And it was getting tons of likes. 
Like thousands. But then I read some of his actual poetry, and it didn't seem too far of what he was doing in his supposed parody of Instagram poetry. Huh. Well. And I think that's been done. But then what's... Okay. So I think on some level, what we're saying, the difficulty is... I don't know. I mean, I think the whole popular... I mean, par- I think what we're doing is just talking shit the whole time. The whole popular... We're talking shit the whole time, a, but, but here's the thing, It's a sidetrack, though. though, man, because... I want to get published in a bunch of journals. For every, every, you know, it's really every one of these people, it. every one of these people who is has sold a ton of books based on their Instagram poetry. There's plenty of other people on Instagram that are doing that all the time and haven't sold anything. Just like the same thing in the normal poetry world. For every person that has a popular so, book, I think what's so appealing is that it's accessible and it's clear, and people can easily get into poetry this way. It's like the how I forget his name, but the. The people, the uh, early in the spoken word world, uh, it was a way to get in to get kids into poetry, right? And I think this is a similar thing. This is how people are getting into poetry. Maybe they won't go any further than this, but it's at least a step in the right direction. It might be. I mean, I guess that's the question, right? If it if it really would be stepping towards something, that might be interesting. But I wonder if that's going to happen. Sure. I mean, if this, if this poet, if she later wrote an, if she grew as a poet, and then those readers who who read this followed her to something where she was doing something more interesting, then maybe they would move from that into reading other more interesting poetry, and that'd be that has I haven't seen that happen yet with an Instagram poet. I mean, but I, that could theoretically happen, right? It could, but you'd have to like look into the mind of these. Poets, and which is impossible to do. Are they writing this way because they believe in writing this way, or are they writing this way because that's they want to write and that's what they know how to do? I think it's. I think. I think it's completely different than that. I think it's actually that this person, who I don't know very much about her at all, okay, and this isn't personal, okay, it's nothing to do with that. Is everything to do? With, I think it. I think it's this simple. She somehow figured out the algorithm. That's what happened. She well, somehow figured out. That? Why do you? I, think I, I don't think it's. Happened? I don't think. I think it's a chance thing. I think it's a chance thing. Oh, okay. So between, you're not saying that she did this on purpose. You're saying no. Just, I'm, okay. Well, let's just say that she she couldn't have gotten this popular without understanding how to exploit it. So if you look at the way that systems work and you system analysis and you decide to take a look at Instagram as a system, right? And you look and you dissect it from the idea of like, okay. It's a nice image. It's a nice poem. It's the language a certain way. She's tagging it a certain way. There's a bunch of different elements going on with the, with posting. So she just figured out she somehow her work is has has taken sort of this larger than life thing where she's New York Times bestseller and she's one of the top Insta- Instagram poets and whatever that is because we live in a time that rewards that system and she's figured out how to triangulate. Well, her. well you could say that of anything that's popular. In any sort of way, then that's that's yeah. But I think it's chance. But that's tautological, right? Anything is pop- that's popular. You could say happened okay. on the, that algorithm. Then, right? but, but I'm saying this person who she is, she figured out. She it just so happens that she's the one who gets to be the person. So what? That but that's my point. Like I I don't think <laughs> I don't think her I don't think her poetry is any better than any. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm dissecting it from the systems. Mm, thought backwards i don't think that the poetry matters actually i don't think that the i don't think that the content of her book 
really matters. I think, like, it's a random... I think it does. I think the reason that people like it is because it gives them something familiar, and it gives them something that is comfortable in a way that is also feels a little bit edgy at the same time. Edgy? Not to us, but, but you can... I mean, I can see how someone who's on Instagram who doesn't read poetry really but but has an idea of what poetry is or the only poetry they read is in that sort of format would see this as somewhat edgy and and also you're you're, you're forgetting of like what the majority of the country is like and i think some of these subject matter is for a kid who's growing up in the rural midwest some of this is things that to them are still things they don't get to hear someone saying every day Right, they don't get to hear someone talking about their periods. They don't get to hear someone talking about the way women are taken advantage of in society. And I'm not saying that she does a good treatment of that, but I think that's part of the success of it, right? You don't think that's okay. some element, element of it? I guess so, yeah. But I think the part of the reporting that's kind of disingenuous is almost every single one of these articles I read about her, they're like, Oh well, this is making poetry accessible in this world where the where the like gatekeepers of poetry don't want poetry to be something that the everyday person would like. But every single one of these things is being reported. I mean, every go to Poetry Magazine's blog, go to every major poetry publication. They're all writing about Instagram poetry. Why? Well, and maybe they're writing about it because they're like, I'm looking for a hook of something to talk about that's popular in poetry, and that makes sense. So it kind of feeds itself in that way. Yeah. But I don't know, you know, I do think there is some element of there. That, I, I, I'm not saying that it's good because of that, but I'm just saying I do think there's some element of what it is that is probably part of its success, right? That's part of it. It has to be. I mean, but... There, because there's, because you don't get to be the number one New York Times bestseller without like strategy and like, it's not just the thing is, is I, I don't think we can say like, like, I guess you just we said it before is like the popularity thing, you know, st- something. I mean, it's the package, you know. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like everything together, you know. I don't know. I'm re I'm reading it and it just it literally reminds me of like a Rod McEwen type of thing, you know, even down to the illustrations. But let's so let's talk about another Instagram poet briefly because I just want to because we're thinking about that and some people maybe are doing it more in a uh, a calculated way to some extent right but I don't I don't know that I'm saying that it's necessarily bad okay so there's this guy Rio Jones he's also very popular but I thought it was interesting because I was looking at some of his Instagram poetry which is similar to a lot of Instagram poetry his his are a little longer than most though. But then I found one of his, like, poems he wrote for Ithaca Lit, and it's much more like a normal poem, which I found kind of interesting. Really? So this is, his, this is one of his Instagram poems. I wish I knew what to say to her the way the stream always knows what to say to the grass when it passes casually by. The secret is the stream knows only itself, and it is confident but unaware that the grass falls in love every morning when the water rounds the bend without uttering a word. It just goes unsaid. 
that they couldn't survive without each other. Uh, it's pretty rough. <laughs> and that got... Yeah, I don't know. It probably does tell you how many likes he got on there. That got 426 likes. Yeah. Okay, let me just say something. Out of these 426 likes that this guy got, I'm going to go on a limb here. And Rio, I'm, I'm like, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. But uh, I want to say that maybe at the very most, uh, about about 25 of the people who liked it even read it. Well, maybe. I think it's 25%. Because it's Think about pretty. that. Think about, yeah. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Just see that and just like, yeah. Maybe. Maybe just glance at it for a sec, a couple seconds, you know, and don't and don't really like maybe didn't read the whole thing. I mean, I, I'm really curious about that because that's part of the Instagram algorithm is this like thing that is like visual aesthetics of it, you know. But I mean, kind of like we're saying, not a lot of depth to that. A metaphor that is pretty labored <laughs> uh, and almost verges on being a little silly in how labored it is. Not a lot of depth there. But, so, I thought it was interesting. So, here's one of his poems. So, this is Ithaca Lit, which I assume is some kind of uh, university journal. I don't, I'm not familiar with Ithaca Lit. I don't know if either of y'all are. But this is one of his more, more, his non-Instagram poems. On the Isthmus. Out in the street, the spotted one is fucking the golden mangy one. Amidst dirt rising like women's voices from the kitchen. So much pine smoke from tin chimneys leaning. Later, rounding the bend, our headlights shine on a sleeping bull. And out across the valley onto mountain faces like soldiers' flashlights on craggy cheeks and lowered eyes. But all the while, a chicken was bound under our seats and quit making its noise. Its captive squeal after several hours, proof that it too stopped wondering why. The voice inside's gone hoarse and whispers now. I don't know why, but only two words are said along the way. Both times, their look, and neither of us meant at me. (sighs) Now, I'm not saying that's an amazing poem, but the difference between his Instagram poem and that poem, that's much better. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And it does make me think, are all these people also writing... Poems like this, too, but they just don't know what to do with them because there's not a place where they're going to get a reception. I mean, we know how hard it is to get poems published if you're trying to get a poem published in a journal, right? Like, it's not the easiest thing to do. No. Wow. There's always the... There's always the method where, you you know, there's also the... uh, I'm not going to say who it was, but you remember you told me the story about um, somebody who just basically just sit, sat up every night and just like wrote like as many poems as possible, like and just like just submitted hundreds of poems. Hundreds I mean, of poems. Do that. And that just, will work that's eventually. how they get, like. And then, well, if you did that, like if you literally just submitted like to five journals every day and like just got shit out there, got shit out there like crazy, crazy. And you're never writing. Well, you would well, you would probably get a book. You would, within a year, you would have like a perfect bound book deal with. Like, or within like sure, two sure. years, you'd have you'd have, you know. And we know there. I are... just feel like I never get to write if I'm if I'm always submitting. It yeah. Just takes so long sometimes. Yeah. Well, try submitting. Try just to well, writing some a ton people, and just submit. The way they write is really quick. I think. Yeah. But 
And I don't know that that's always so positive. And we know there's other, we know publishing is not the only way to get your work out into the world, right? I mean, I think probably everyone w would like to. I think all poets would like to publish at some point. But there's other ways of getting poetry out into the wor world. There's going to readings. There's finding other interesting ways of presenting your poetry into the world. I mean, you know, there's lots of ways of doing that. But that's not apparent to everyone. I think, and like they see Instagram and it's like, okay, this is easy. This is an easy way to get poetry out into the world. But it, it seems like maybe uh, posting on Instagram or something like that doesn't offer the, uh, the possibility to be critiqued or uh, get feedback because um, it's just, that's it and that's that's what the world has. The weird thing is though, you'd think it would though because you'd think the internet, you'd think know. the internet, if anything, is the place where you would most get critique and feedback but I don't know yeah I don't know uh, but regardless it is I wonder why it's so one dimensional I mean I could imagine there being non one dimensional Instagram poetry why isn't there why is that not what's popular let's see and is that maybe just a symptom of what people want in a larger way and has nothing to do with poetry. I don't know. Good question. What you doing over there? Looking for some Instagram poetry. I thought you were bored. say the one thing that does strike me though which kind of relates to our free verse conversation is in a lot of the interviews with these Instagram poets that I read doesn't seem like they've read a lot of poetry uh, when they're asked who what poets they respect some of them don't really answer the question and the, the ones who do it's kind of stuff that you would read in high school and I wonder if They've really even read those people, or just that's someone they can say. Interesting. That's coming back to not understanding the craft. Yeah. Oh, and, I, and there is definitely something of that going on, right? These don't feel like people whose understanding of the craft is very deep, if they have understanding of the craft, right? Uh, which I feel like gets a different reaction to if you're going to say someone didn't learn the craft of cooking. Like, you can definitely tell they didn't learn the craft of cooking or the craft of playing the clarinet or something like that. That you can definitely notice, but it seems like poetry's a little bit different. In some ways, although there's a lot of uh, restaurants out there that stay open a long time and make some pretty <laughs> shitty food. Yeah. Uh, but, and there's like lots of musicians that have paid for it. Like, someone who really... But there are, there's restaurants that have been around. There's yeah. restaurants that have been around for years make terrible food but people don't buy it because of that it's some other reason that they're going there because it's cheap or it's convenient or it's easy right sure. and I think there's music like that too I mean I certainly don't think I think yeah I mean you need to have some base level of skill probably with music if you just <laughs> picked up an instrument and never <laughs> just were like alright I'm recording an album now <laughs> well that might be interesting but uh, you probably know, but there's plenty of people who I think are kind of in a similar situation as this. They get some base level of skill, but they don't go beyond that, and they stay at this really minimal level of skill on that instrument, but it's enough for certain people 
to enjoy it and enough for them to have some base where they can make a career out of that. Mangoes, you find anything over there? I'm looking. I'm. I'm. I'm not gonna tell you stuff I'm looking at, but I'm just. I just want to look at like <laughs> some. Just you know, more multi-dimensional. This is some multi-dimensional stuff. But um, wait, what does it say? <laughs> I'm not. You're, you're more interested. Oh, you're more interested in the. I just want to do a little research. Well, a little bit, yeah. Um, but I think. You know, there can be there can be some other dimensions, you know, that you can yeah. that you can play with. Well, absolutely, but why is that not what's popular? I bet there probably are. I bet there are somewhere some visual poets posting visual poetry to Instagram. But my guess is it probably is not very popular. Maybe because it's a little bit more complex and it's not that instant gratification that you were talking about earlier. That's important to society today. Is that instant gratification? Yeah, I don't know. I, it's weird to me because I just don't understand it. I guess. I mean, honestly, to me, Instagram particularly, well, Instagram and Twitter particularly, that's something where I never find it enjoyable because there's nothing anyone can do in that short amount of space that I really find that interesting. I mean, there are people on Twitter that I follow that I like because, you know, I think of, like, science podcasts that I like or or linguistics podcasts that I like or writing podcasts that I like that I really like listening to their podcasts, but to – and I like their, you know, view of things and they can be funny and it's good, but to try to distill that into a tiny little thing it's never interesting to me like it's i don't i don't understand someone sitting there and looking at twitter for more than a minute i can't even i don't think i could stand doing that for more than that and the same with instagram but but i don't know yeah i mean i i think that mindset is foreign to me i don't quite understand it i'm trying to not just dismiss it as being totally a negative thing but I don't it's know. It's trite, and it's, you know, I mean, some of it can push, and I guess in different directions. But I think what happens is, like, again, it goes into a new form. When I talk about the mouth of the cloud, and I'm talking about that, I'm talking about a new form. And what we're dealing with is a new form. And then when we're writing from our perspective with sort of our canon and our our writing history and our vitae and our reading history and all that, and what we bring into it as, an, as each individual poet, we look at this other thing that's happening in a new form and sort of like the reward stru- – I mean I keep coming back to the reward structure, but the structure in which it exists and which it's presented in this sort of like two dim- one-dimensional space is – that's why there's a lot of one-dimensional poetry. But I, I mean it seems one-dimensional to me and I think it probably is. But I also can't help but think when <laughs> when the beat poets for – Coming out with poetry, don't you think people are probably saying the same thing? Look at this, how it doesn't have any form, and it doesn't have the depth that the poetry we're used to having. And people are just, it's just a bunch of hippies that all like it because it's talking about hippie stuff. Well, that's what they said about Whitman, too, but now he's the like, most famous poet. So, what, well, that, that's what I'm saying. Are yeah. we just not seeing something here? Or huh. is it really that one-dimensional? Huh. Interesting. I think, I think everyone's probably wrong all the time. I feel wrong <laughs> all the time right now. <laughs> I mean, I think it's probably, it's pretty one-dimensional. I mean... <laughs> well, physically, yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, and I don't know. I don't really foresee Instagram poetry blossoming into some new movement movement of literature, but it's not impossible. Sure. <laughs> I think it is. That's what I'm saying. It's a new form. It's a new form. So it is. So awesome. it's a well. It, I mean, it's just a. New, it's a new form. Like it take. Like we we think that it's the same, but it's different. Like it's a different form of of of. It's a different form of distribution. It's a different reward system. It's a different. It's a whole different social system. It's a different. The way that you respond to it is differently. Um, okay, but different from what? I mean, I don't. <laughs> I understand on some level, but you could say that about every new movement in poetry in some way. I mean, you could say that every time, be like, oh, it's different because of this and it's different because of this. But there is some thread running this through is, it. But this one is really different. And they are choosing to call it poetry. Is yeah, it, though? Are. Or does it just seem like that to us from where we're standing? <sighs> <laughs> well, I mean, what is Instagram? It's a pub- It's a publishing platform. We know that. That's what it is, you know? And I, I guess that's like it's 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 a new it's a new it's a new thing within that form, man. <laughs> it's a new form within the system. I mean, I guess we're spinning our wheels on that, but I don't know. What's the what, what's the real questions we're trying to answer right now? Are we trying to say? What are we trying to say? I have no idea what we're trying to say, but I guess what I'm trying to say is—is is it good? I'm trying to ask myself: Is there a possibility? that I'm missing something here, that there's something I'm not seeing. And I'm also trying to to say, is there some way that, let's say this really is one-dimensional as it is, is there some way that this could, being one-dimensional as it is, still turn into something interesting and turn into some positive direction out of it? Positive direction? Sure. I think it could I like think, for poetry, like some could it turn into something that's innovative for poetry or turn into something? I that's, think it could be. I think it could be, but sometimes I think like if I guess what I guess what I'm saying how would we within, make that within my conversation within my conversation. Well, that's what I'm saying. You have to play within the form. Then you have to you have to you have to go into the form and play around with what the form could be. So we could all do. Okay, should we do it? Should we just all do an Instagram poem right now? Should we all? Take out a sheet of paper from this cabinet, which is full of different colored paper, and put a sheet of paper on here and cut it. I can cut it really quick into a square, and you can and everyone you can do whatever you want. There's 15 typers here. There's a pen. There's there's hundred different pens over here. Okay, instead of us doing these Instagram poems right now, why don't we do that later? We can post them in the show notes, and I'll post them in the show notes. But before we leave. We'll call we'll call you Mixon since you're gonna read from your book where that's your 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 name. Right. Mixon's gonna read a couple poems for us to take us out here. Couple poems. Yeah, I'll read two. Is that good? Yeah. This is called a panicked brick. A tinder brick sits askew within the wall, a braid of moss upon its neck, the corner cut. Its hue like that of old encrusted blood, except for mortar dried over. As tentacle winds come back, the house depends upon the brick, but this, a boxer's tooth knocked loose, may be persuaded. After panic makes decision, every shingle hits the street. I have a villanelle. Can I read this villanelle? Yeah. Yeah. Despite its hopeless tone, it's a love. 
poem. The sunset bruised the bottom of the sky. <clears throat> the sunset bruised the bottom of the sky. Our long day hangs on memory's edge. Powder now the blemish in a bird's eye. Our young winter walk with fingertips tied renewed the veins and marred cartilage. The sunset bruised the bottom of the sky. From afar we watched the slip of avalanche pry away the mountain's fleshy ledge. Powder now the blemish in a bird's eye. It thundered to cover where bones still lie, skulls of stone to the hammer sledge. The sunset bruised the bottom of the sky. Trees were snapped, the sap of love dried, timber split by the axe's wedge. Powder now the blemish in a bird's eye. And we, now farther from memory's cry, grow deaf to the yells in the burial sludge. The sunset bruised the bottom of the sky. Outer now the blemish in a bird's eye. Thank, Thank you. you for uh, joining us today in our browsing conversation. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where we got. I guess we. I guess all we all we kind of came to as a conclusion is like, can it be something different than what it is? I think can I talked myself into that. This is just some new poetry movement that I don't understand, and that it's gonna replace everything. You think so? <laughs> I don't know if I really think that, but I kind of do at this moment. I kind of talked myself into that. That it's going to replace everything. Yep, that's, this is this is the new poetry. This is poetry from now on, Joseph. I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt that, actually. I wouldn't doubt that that's, you know, this is just going to take it over and it's going to become this super banal kind of like, you know, really like on the nose kind of thing. That's not what I'm saying, though. What? Like we just we're, we can't see it. We can't see it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Let's take it. Away. This has been the no good episode poetry. of No Good Poetry.